I'm going to share a lot with you this morning, but my hope and desire is that you would connect with God through his word. And so will you put your hands together? Welcome those who are attending live online right now from different parts of the world. It's our most attended service. And so I'm going to invite you. You've been killing it at this. If you could turn the volume off on your phone and share this live service from Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or mercyroad.tv to your social media of choice, there's a direct correlation to the number of people we reach online by how many shares we get. We've discovered that over the last several months. And one of the things you may not realize is what's actually occurring today in the life of our church. Here at Carmel, we've had hundreds of new people despite sending all these people out while still having... Uh, 800 people attending with us every week just on the Carmel uh, live feed. And uh, there are over 15 to 20,000 views every single weekend just of these three Sunday morning services. So when I say share it, you're making a huge impact by doing that. Yeah, celebrate that because we've had a lot of people come to Christ. 27 people got baptized in their homes in a bathtub. I mean, God is on the move. You may also not realize that uh, we're a part of a family of churches uh, first, the Greater Multiply Indiana Church Planting Network that we helped start, that there are now 15 churches all over the city and state uh, ministering during this time. And three of those are uh, additional Mercy Road churches. And I was just at Northeast last weekend. They're having more people six weeks into planting a church than they did week two of church planting. That never happens. I mean, never. And so it's just incredible what God is doing. We had uh, two people give their life to Christ at least at the the last service there last weekend. Uh, God's on the move. I think we had, what was it, 17 or 18 people give their life to Christ here for the birthday celebration and seven people get baptized outside in a horse trough. I just want to tell you what I'm about to share with you this morning. I believe what we read in the book of Acts didn't just happen 2,000 years ago. It's still happening today. And so the new teaching series that we're kicking off this morning over the month of November, which you got some Halloween candy in you and you got an extra hour of sleep. So you better be really hyped up this morning because I got some stuff to share. Our series is called Spark. Uh, We want to ignite a revival. And I don't use a title like that, ignite a revival very uh, easily. We don't use those big words like that. It seems like in the church world, they can be thrown around a lot. Uh, I want to tell you what you read in the book of Acts happens today. And I think with the year that we've had, there's no more important time in human history in my lifetime that we would live out what we're about to share over these next five weeks together. And so the important material for this morning is we want to talk about prioritizing praying with purpose. Spark number one. It just takes a spark to see the flames come. Spark number one, that every great move of God begins with prayer. Anybody ever heard hear of the Moravians? The Moravians? Pastor Greg, great. A, f- a few of you. Okay. All of you went to seminary. That's great. <laughs> uh, the Moravians were in Eastern Europe, and they were a very small church that began to pray for revival. They prayed for a hundred years straight. Around the clock, someone would always be in the building, praying for revival. And at the end of 100 years, they didn't see that much impact made. But what ended up happening was, because of all of the prayer, the Lord sent them out around the world as missionaries. They ended up reaching well over a half a million people for Christ. And it all began with taking prayer seriously. We could talk about revival and impact and church expansion and all this kind of stuff, and it could be very frivolous and meaningless if it's not begun with prayer. That, that especially as we head into Tuesday 
We all know what's happening Tuesday. Apparently there's an election. If we don't pray, and I know there's a lot of worry and concern in people's lives, what might happen with the election? I believe as Christians, we should be the unifiers in our community, and we must be the ones praying against the divisiveness of the enemy. And so we're going to actually practice praying with purpose this morning, both on a national and global scale, but also in our individual lives, that we're going to prioritize praying with purpose. Do you realize that Mercy Road Church actually got started through a prayer? Uh, My wife and I, uh, we went down to Alabama uh, this last week. I was out of town. I went to this very small conference. It was, they invited about 12 or 15 pastors from different churches like ours that were making a big impact around the country. And I always say no to these things. And I don't know why, for some reason, I felt like we should go down there. And I, the, the person who was leading it had led the conference where my wife and I had, uh, excuse me, I had been outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I was working at a church in California, a large church there. And got this free ticket to go to a conference outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I went, and in a moment of prayer of what I heard there from a pastor's share, I was called by God, I believe, to go and plant Mercy Road Church. And I didn't hear the audible voice of the Lord. I didn't tangibly see an angel or anything like that, but I knew the Lord was telling us to move to Indiana, start a church, and three friends of mine from high school would help us. One of those, they were the only three people of about 40 I sent an email to who said they would help us start the church. One of them wasn't a Christian. Him and his wife both got baptized right there in that horse trough. Or not, that's not a horse trough, that's a tank. Uh, the other friend of mine who moved here from Southern California, had been working for Entertainment Tonight, him and his wife got baptized in a horse trough at the old College Avenue building. And so everything God had said in this prayer occurred. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that when we pray with intentionality and purpose, like you see in the early church, it leads to impact, that it truly can ignite revival, that the simple spark of praying can transform our communities, the American church, an election, all of these sorts of things more than anything else in the world. And when I say election, I don't mean the result of an election. I mean what the Spirit is doing in unifying people in a time where it's very easy to be divisive. So, you ready to study God's word, church? Come on now. I want to show you this in the early church. See, in Acts chapter 4, beginning of verse 23, they have been praying with intentionality. In fact, if you go back to it, Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, and, and then the Holy Spirit is given to the early church where they're gathering together daily. And on 50 days after the Passover, which is when the festival of weeks were, were occurring, they were in the home praying, and the Holy Spirit was given to them and showed up. And then the Holy Spirit empowered them that they went out, and Peter preached to thousands of people in Jerusalem in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, and 3,000 people come to know the Lord in one day. That little spark started a transformation throughout the Roman Empire that within just over a couple of hundred years, the official religion of the Roman Empire by 325 AD will become Christianity. Now, without a lot of persecution and a lot of troubles, but the gospel spreads rapidly. And so when I say praying and we get to the book of Acts chapter four, they're about to prioritize praying in a way that it leads to boldness that transforms the culture around us. Here we go, Acts 4.23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. See, Peter and John had been thrown into prison because of their faith, for sharing their faith with other people. We don't know what that's like today, but they were in prison from their faith. There are Christians around the world that know what that's like. And in verse uh, 24, 
It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices, the Christians raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. By the way, uh, if you missed, for the last series, I did a daily um, a video devotional. It's five minutes long. It goes Monday through Friday. It goes out at 8 a.m. You can have a text to your phone or you can watch it live on Facebook or YouTube. If you have not signed up for that, we've actually decided to extend it through the next two teaching series because so many people have responded to that. And so you can just email us info at mercyroad.cc and we can get you on the list uh, that would receive those text messages. But I'm going to teach more about that verse uh, this week in the devotions. Verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak with your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is familiar to some of you who have been around Mercy Road for a long time. It's where we get our motto, live boldly and love deeply. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a moment. But I want to start with, do you see the intentionality with which they prayed? They were in jail for the preaching of their faith. They get out and the first thing they do is pray. They actually pray for more boldness, but the prayer was significantly different than the way that most of us live our lives because rather than going, how can I fix the problems in my life? They said, how could the Lord fix the problems? See the difference? And in a time in our country and in a time in our individual lives where there's a lot of worry and anxiety and increased depression and isolation, broken marriages and relationships, perverse dating habits, addictive habits that we can't seem to break, This is not a place of shame or judgment. It's a place of honesty. I want to tell you that the same Holy Spirit that we read about in Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4 is still living and active today. And he is on the move today. And God is transforming lives today. And the book of Acts is occurring right now. And so I want to ask a very simple question. Do you prioritize praying in your daily life? The specific needs, excuse me, specific things that you're frustrated about We prioritize praying in our daily life. Let's pray and we're going to dive into this. God, in those uh, about eight verses there that we just read, eight or nine verses, we see this pattern that's going to be throughout the book of Acts where they turn to you in prayer. I pray, God, that as we practice this this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be tangibly felt. I know that somebody in this room or online right now needs to see you, needs to feel you, needs to experience your presence And we're gathered here today in a way that most Americans don't do. And and we're gathered online in a place where most Americans don't make time. And, and, And people from around the world are joining us online. God, we pray wherever we're at that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. We acknowledge your presence, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I, you know, before I became a pastor and got super boring, I used to work every summer in, uh, outside of Branson, Missouri. Has anybody ever been outside of Branson, Missouri? Now, I know you're like, why wouldn't you live at, choose to live in Indiana? Why do we choose to live here, right, when the weather starts turning? 
But have you been to Missouri in the summertime? It's like 8,000 degrees there. 120% humidity, you walk outside, you're instantly dehydrated. You have to walk around with an IV just to survive. And I used to spend every summer there with no air conditioning, with a, a cabin full of high school students. If I never needed more prayer in my life. And I, one particular summer, I was uh, my co-counselor that summer, we were about to get uh, a group of high school students who were going to be with us a month. And in this uh, camp, they had some strict rules to try and get students who were coming from larger cities to get away from everything. So when you came, you weren't allowed to have any headsets. Now, this will tell you date this, this story just a little bit because this one bus pulled up and some students got out and one of the students was a 16-year-old who was in our cabin. His name was Joey and he got off with a, a set of headsets on. He had a portable CD player. You remember what those are? There, some people don't know what those are, believe it or not. And got off and he's got the portable CD player and he's rocking out, man. I mean, it's going hard and he knows what he's doing. He's been to the camp before. He knows he's not supposed to do that. So I'm just laughing. I'm like, this kid's going to be fun. So I go up to him. I'm like, hey, what are you listening to? And he, of course, can't hear me. So I have to ask him, hey, what are you listening to for like the third time? Finally, he takes the, the headsets off. And I was like, what are you listening to? He goes, Slim Shady. And I was like, no, nah, I'm really going to love this kid. He was like, not just like Slim Shady. He was a disciple of Marshall Mathers. Like he knew all the songs, all the lyrics. He knew everything about him. And uh, I was like, dude, you know, you can't have that. And he's just smart. He's like, I know. And so anyway, I had a great time with Joey. Joey had been to the camp before, but he wasn't a Christian. In fact, he didn't really want to be there. And so my co-counselor, Ricky and I, who was even more nuts than me, we decided we're going to pray for this guy. And so we committed that day. We said, now remember, it's like 8,000 degrees outside. We literally would eat like, I'm not making this up, like 4,000 calories a day because we were doing sports all day long and sweating and all that. So we decided we weren't going to eat again until Joey gave his life to Christ. Now, before you think I'm a super Christian, I'll get to the end of the story here in a second. But we started praying and we gave up breakfast. Instead, we went outside and prayed for Joey. We gave up lunch and we went outside and prayed for Joey. We gave up dinner. We went outside and prayed for Joey. And then we decided the Lord had hurt us (laughs) and that we were going to eat the next day. And some of you may say, why? Isn't that kind of pretentious? Why are you self-righteously praying for Joey as if he knew, like you got something he doesn't have? Because we really believe that Jesus was crucified, rose on the third day, and that anybody that knows him will receive eternal life in heaven and receive the Holy Spirit when they invite the Spirit into their lives to empower them to live the, the life that God desires for them. It's the greatest gift the world has ever seen, and we want Joey to experience that. And so at the end of that day, we went to bed, and we got up the next morning, couldn't wait to eat, and Joey didn't give his life to Christ. And then a week goes by, and then the whole month goes by, and Joey never gives his life to Christ. And we were frustrated, and we felt like failures, and just like, why, why bother praying to begin with? And then a year goes by, and while we saw a lot of students give their life to Christ that summer, Joey never did. A year goes by, I get a phone call from our friend Joey, and he tells me that he'd given his life to Christ a, a, a couple of months ago through the ministry of his local church, and that he'd been discipled and was giving up so many things in his life to become the person God created him to be. And he said, I could point it all the way back to that camp when you and Ricky poured into me and prayed for me intentionally. So I just want to tell you, the world doesn't just need a whole bunch more Christian achievers. We need prayer warriors, 
people who prioritize praying in their life. And if I could confess to you, man, when we planted the church, it was a desperate time in my life. We moved across the country. We didn't know a lot of people. My wife was from Southern California. She had never seen some of the things you see in Indiana. And it was intentional. And then we lost a child our first year of planting the church. Prayer just became a part of our daily life, calling out to God. And over the busyness of the last couple of years of our church and all the incredible things that have happened, I've realized we must be prioritizing praying because we can plant all the churches. We can do all the things and that the Lord is in the middle of them all. We're going to miss out on what he desires and we'll just have a bunch of Christian achievement. See, when we get into this and what you see in the life of the disciples, I think is powerful, not just for 2000 years ago, but for today, I can tell Ray, I'm gonna get a little worked up. So I'm not gonna apologize for that, but I want you to know I'm not... I'm not like this every week, just most weeks. So how, here's the big idea. I want to show you through the book of Acts how Peter and the apostles prioritized praying with purpose. First thing is they prayed for the power of God. In verses 28 to 31, the end of that section that we read, look what it said again. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. What your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And then because of that power, verse 29 Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs. Not stretch out their hands. The Lord, stretch out your hand. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Some of you have heard me share this story before. And I always think of it when I think of this passage. The week before we launched Mercy Road Church, there were about 35 to 40 people that were on our launch team sitting in this big auditorium, and I preached out of this passage, and it's where that phrase, live boldly, love deeply, came from. We didn't plan that. It just came out in that sermon, and then we, it just always stuck because we wanted people to live their faith out boldly. They, they got in trouble for their bold faith, thrown into jail. They get out, and they pray for more boldness. Once you think the boldness got you in trouble, you should probably stop with the boldness and do something different but they prayed for more boldness. But their boldness was not the angry bullhorn love that you see Christians live out sometimes today. They wanted to present the truth of Jesus to people authentically encountering Christ, that they wanted to love God, love others, to love people deeply. So when we live our faith out boldly and we love people deeply, I believe that that happens when we invite through prayer the Holy Spirit to work in and through us like you read here. And the Holy Spirit was so profoundly upon them in that passage in Acts 4, 28 to 31, that where they were meeting, it shook physically. When we were a two-year-old church, we were meeting in this little building off of College Avenue. Anybody there in the College Avenue days? A few of you. At one point, uh, we ended up having to do five services in this little tiny building. The, the children were upstairs in offices. It was, it was nuts. And in the auditorium, a lot of times we'd have people sitting on the floor and stuff. We'd put people parked in the grass and all over the neighborhood just to try and reach about four or 500 people in this tiny little space. And, and when we did that, I, I remember uh, it was easy later on to see the wake of impact that God made. But the turning point for our church happened at our second birthday celebration. In those days, we had just moved into that little space and we were baptizing people on our birthday celebration. We had reached some people in the community for Christ. We baptized 12 people in a horse trough in the lobby of that building. And we could never put heated water in there. We, we always had to use cold water. So you would literally die with Christ when you went under, and then you would raise again with him indeed. And we baptized those 12 people, and then we'd sit in this lobby or stand in this lobby and sing a song together in worship and then close out the service. 
And so we baptized those 12 people that day. And as we went to, to sing that song and we closed out our time, all of a sudden the building shook. Anybody there? Other than, I, I know that some of the staff was there. Tim, you were there, a few of you guys. It shook that day. And when I say shook, um, I almost fell over into the horse trough. Like it shook. And so naturally as a pastor, I was like, the, the Holy Spirit is upon us. Let us worship him. No, I literally, I, I turned to the staff. I was like, you got to go downstairs. Something's wrong with the building. You got to figure out what's wrong. I called the engineers that week that owned the building. I was like, you got to come check this building out. Something's broken. And they're like, we can't find anything wrong. Then I, I was from Southern California for seven years. So I knew how to look up on the app, whether there was an earthquake and there was no earthquake in our area. And so to this day, I can't explain it any other way than the Holy Spirit was there and he shook the building. And it was the turning point in the movement of our church and the wake of impact that would come from that, so many of the 12 people that uh, got baptized that day are now leaders, some of them on staff of ministries and churches. And so I just believe that the power of prayer, that when God called us to plant Mercy Road, that, that prayer matters. And when they pray significantly, the Holy Spirit, his power shakes the building. So if you're here today and you feel like God could not heal your marriage because you have decades of example of how this thing's not going to change, you can't heal your marriage, but the power of Almighty God can shake a building. He can handle what's ever going on in your relationship. If you're like my dating habits, I'm just one of those people. I'm not a settle down kind of a person. I'm going to move from person to person, and I know that's not good, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to hurt them, and I'm going to hurt myself through this. It's just going to happen. It's just how I am. Well, you need to start intentionally praying for the power of God in that area of your life. Look, I believe if you have an addictive habit, you need to get into a support group. We have a freedom outpost that meets here and other ministries. You need to go to a wise Christian counselor. But if it doesn't start first with prayer and asking the power of God to change your life, you're probably not going to see the God's best occur in those areas. I believe the power of God through prayer is very real. It's tangible. He shook a building. What if we prayed for the power of God in our lives? Rather than praying for just more money or possessions or pleasure or things that we think are important, what if we prayed for more of the power of God? Point number two, that what they did, they prayed for the impossible. They prayed for the power of God. They prayed for the impossible. Acts chapter 12, verse five, I'm gonna read quickly. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Let me just skip to the story for the sake of time. In Acts chapter 6, he's in prison again, Peter again. And this time, the people in the church had been praying for him. And he's woken up by an angel, and the angel leads him out. He's literally in chains. He's chained to the wall or to the floor. And on his wrists, the chains drop. He walks out. He thinks he's dreaming. He's seeing a vision at first. And then once he's freed, he realized that the angel of the Lord had freed him and was hearing the prayers of the people in the church. And so if you look down to uh, verse 11 in Acts chapter 12, verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary and the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and again were praying. So they were praying at the beginning. They continued to pray and then Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to the, answer the door and said, we were expecting you. Now look what happens even here. 
Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back. Rhoda came to answer the door. Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, excuse me, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. They said, verse 15, you're out of your mind. They told her they couldn't believe it either. When she, without opening it and exclaimed, Peter, excuse me, keeps giving down. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. Verse 17, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place in the morning. There was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Could you imagine it? Like he just, the chains drop, he walks out, they had been praying and exactly what they had been praying for occurred. And what occurred was completely impossible. You couldn't rationally explain it, an angel of the Lord. But what does that even mean? How did that happen? See, here's what I want to encourage you. We, we must, as followers of Jesus, pray for the power of God and pray for the impossible, knowing that we don't get to answer our prayers. See, some, some of us, myself included, we have prayed for big things and God answered our prayers in different ways than we wanted. I don't subscribe to a faith formula that if you have enough faith, now God will heal you. And if you only had 99% faith, then God will not heal you. I believe you either have faith or you don't have faith. But when you have faith and God hears you, he chooses to answer his prayers how he desires. And they had the audacity to pray for impossible things. I have seen God heal people in our own prayer room. I have seen people who have been far from God in their life transformed by a simple prayer that their friend intentionally prayed over and over for the power of God to work in that person's life and do the impossible. The most devout atheist or agnostic person, we've seen them come to Christ. Don't give up on them. God hasn't. But then when we pray with intentionality for specific things in our lives, I believe he hears our cries and our prayers. And I have seen marriages that were done over with. They had moved out and God would bring healing in those relationships and bring them back together. I believe we've literally had people who've been discipled here who got divorced and years later, God brought them back together and they got remarried because Jesus was working in their lives. We gotta pray for the power of God. We gotta pray for the impossible. We must pray with purpose for the impossible in our lives. The third and final point I want to make is this, that they prayed with purpose and their needs were met. See, sometimes we're afraid to pray because if God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want, that we won't be taken care of the way we want. And he might want me to give up things I don't want to give up. And he may want me to do things I don't want to do. And obedience to the Lord can be difficult at times, but I want to tell you, he always provides. See, in verse 13 of Acts chapter 16, by this point, they had gotten it, what it was like to see the Holy Spirit work and to commune with the Lord in prayer. And so in a moment of prayer, God gave them a vision, a dream that they should not go the route that they were planning to. And instead, they should go to the area of Macedonia where the city of Philippi is. And it made no sense because it was out of their way, but they went there And in verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. So they were going again to pray. But look, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. 
If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And that impossible prayers where they heard from the Lord and they changed their habits and they said, God's going to have to provide for us in a town where they knew no one. They go into this place and this wealthy uh, woman named Lydia, purple cloth was an expensive dye that they would make from mollusks in the sea. And so she was an influential person in the community and the church of Philippi gets started in her home. Which, by the way, Paul will write a letter to from a prison cell in Rome talking about pure joy with their partnership in the gospel because that church will become one of the the funders of the mission of Jesus all over the Roman Empire. It will become one that has always got Paul's back. And it all started with prayer. And so when he goes and he does that uh, and follows the Lord in obedience, God provides. They prayed with purpose and their needs were met. And so as we close out our time together, I, I want to share this with you. I believe we should not just talk about these things. We should practice these things. Do, do you know when I say that God does this, it's not just today. He has always done this. And as Eric comes back out, it's really fun. Uh, you know, this is two services. Uh, Eric still hasn't gotten the cue. Eric Maitland. Let's welcome Eric Maitland as he comes back out here, everyone. <laughs> I love Eric to death. I wish this wasn't the first time. So as they're praying with purpose here in this moment, what ends up happening in our church, I can say that it has happened again. There he is. There he is. Hey, welcome. Uh, (laughs) I wouldn't do that to anybody else, but it's just fun for me to do that with Eric. What I want to share with you, you may not know some of the backstory of our church. When I say that we expect God to show up and provide for people, You may need some prayer this morning, and I believe that God is real and his Holy Spirit will minister to you. And so here in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come forward, and our prayer team is going to be down front, and we're going to pray for you, whatever you got, whatever you need. I'm going to lead us through kind of some joint prayer together. You realize that when we uh, were a month away from launching Mercy Road Church in the school, we actually didn't have the resources to pay for the equipment. Literally, we had no money. And we prayed about, should we delay the launch of the church? Eric was there in those days. And we prayed and we felt like, well, let's just ask God to show up. The next day I got an email about a church planting conference in Ocala, Florida that was giving away $20,000 to the church plant with the best master plan. I thought, we're a church plant. We have a plan. So I I sent it to them. They they wrote me back and said, you're one of the nine finalists from around the world for this $20,000 grant. It was like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't know there were only nine submissions. So we, we paid for a plane ticket that we couldn't afford. And we went down there and there were other church planters that knew everybody there. We didn't know anybody. And we walked away from that conference being given the $20,000 grant to plant the church. We brought it back and the church matched those $20,000. We ended up having $40,000 and more than enough money to buy the equipment to launch the church. It got... got listens to prayers is the point. Don't mistake this for anything to do with finances because sometimes I know that's what we value and you can see God show up in that way. It's happened to us multiple times. We hired our first full-time associate pastor. We were just over a year old as a church and we were really concerned about the finances to do that. And right after we announced it to the church and we had hired that pastor, uh, we found out that some families were moving out of state due to jobs and it made up about 40% of the total giving of the church. 
And we went to the board meeting saying, we can't do this now. We can't hire this person. And we were about to say we're going to scrap and cut the budget. And then we were like, wait, we haven't even prayed about this. And so we prayed and everybody said the same thing. Let's wait a month, specifically pray that God would provide. And if in a month from now he doesn't, then we'll change it. We prayed for a month. The next month we had the greatest amount of giving we ever had in the history of our church at that point without the families that had moved out of state. When we were going to purchase this property as a three-year-old church, we were told by the experts we could only raise $250,000 over two years. And we realized that wouldn't be enough money to really do anything. And so we were dishonest and we prayed and said, God, what do you want us to do? And he said, you're going to need at least $700,000 in order to afford someplace. So you need to raise $700,000. And I remember Charles Stanbeck and I, we were going to get matching tattoos and then our wives nixed that. But we... that of 700 because we believe the Lord told us to try and raise $700,000. So we had these dinners. We raised $700,000 in commitments over two years to, to, to purchase a future building. But at the end of those dinners, we got an agreement to buy this building and we didn't need the 700,000 in two years. We needed it in two months. So we said, okay, God, we can't do this, provide. And we had $400,000 given in two months. And then five families lent an additional uh, $300,000 by borrowing against their home. Bad Dave Ramsey math, don't do that. But we paid all those families back, not in two years, but in one year. And God provided every step of the way. I just want to tell you, we're moving in an incredible season. We're trying to raise $400,000 by the end of the year for the church. Somebody offered up a $10,000 matching grant and our locations are trying to match that this weekend if you're interested in that. But that's not what this morning is about. I want to tell you, whatever you're going through in your life, if you count on the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to provide, he's going to be there for you. And it may not answer you the way you want, but I believe that he can heal today. I believe that he can transform lives today and marriages today and and careers today. But it's only going to come when we prioritize him in our life and turning to him. So as we close in our prayer together, I'm going to invite you right now. If anybody needs prayer, they're going to kill the lights except for the back lights. And I'm going to invite all of us to walk through some prayers together. But if you need specific prayer for something going on in your life, Pastor Greg's going to come up here in our prayer team. We invite you to come forward. And it's not going to be loud music. We just want to pray over you at any time. And as we uh, play here, Eric's going to sing occasionally. But I want to call out some prayers for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. We're going to prioritize it in our lives. God, first, first we pray for our nation. You tell us in Scripture to pray for our leaders to pray for authorities. And so God, no matter who wins the election, we pray for the authority, for the leader in our country, God. We pray for the election that Christians today wouldn't just be bringing divisiveness in our culture, that we would unite around you, God, that we would be wise in the way we act towards outsiders, as Colossians 4 tells us, that we would love people even who are different than us. And so right now, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be felt on Tuesday in a powerful way, and that the day after, we wouldn't have to live in fear of the things that people have been discussing, but because we say, enough is enough, we invite your Holy Spirit into our lives. Renew us, God. Bring revival in Christians. Pray for spiritual revival, Lord. Then, God, we we pray for the local church around the globe and here in our local community that there are Christians that, that are persecuted simply for their faith. And, God, we pray that you would protect them. Protect them, God. We pray for our local church that we would unite with other local churches to make an impact that the spark of prayer this morning would lead to a wake of impact throughout our state that over a million people would come to know you in our lifetime, God. We pray for it. 
We know you're real. We know you're here in the room right now. And there are people right now here who are thinking about ending a relationship or they're thinking about walking away from something that they know is not right and they need to turn towards you and repent, God. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, if anybody's here in the room like that, that we could turn to you right now, just as Eric sings here for a minute. If you need to go to the Lord with anything, let's pray. If you need to come forward and have prayer for a family member, a friend, you need anointed with oil to have prayer for physical healing, we're gonna do all of those things Let's let Eric sing for a moment here as we pray together as a church. They make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are a way make miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. God, we know that you are the way maker, the miracle worker. We call on your name now. And I don't know why, if I feel like there's a, somebody in here that needs to come forward. And I know there's a couple of you guys coming down. If you need prayer for something, we want to pray for you. I don't know what, what's going on. If you're online right now to reach out to somebody in a prayer room, we want to pray for you. We believe God's at work. And as we close uh, our, our time together this morning in an extended prayer, time of worship. God, I pray for those maybe that they're just dry right now spiritually. As I got away this weekend, I realized I can have that happen in my life. But I know how real you are, God, and how you want to be near, not far from us. God, I pray that we wouldn't be dry. We invite your Holy Spirit into our life, into our family, into our career, into our raising of our children and grandchildren into the problems, areas of our life, the things we don't want anybody to know, God, you know them. We repent and we turn towards you. We, we call on the perfect name of Jesus. Forgive us for our sin and wrongdoing. We believe and receive your grace and forgiveness. We accept eternal life because you overcame death on the cross and we repent of anything in our life that is not of you. We invite your Holy Spirit then as Christians to work in our lives, to thrive in our lives, that we would be a light in the dark world, Lord. We need it now. We need it now, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray and all God's family said, amen.